For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello everyone, we want to take this opportunity to say thank you. As you go at the Golden Boot, so do our needs, but we cannot do it without you. We ask that you continue to like our posts, share our content, and subscribe to our YouTube, Facebook, and other social media platforms. You may also visit thegoldenboot.com for the latest merch. If you would like to make a financial donation, you can do so through Cash App at Money Sign Golden Boot. Or through PayPal at paypal.me slash golden boot. We look forward to bringing you more laughs, knowledge, and entertainment. And again, thank you for your endless support. Sincerely and respectfully, the Golden Boot team. The views and opinions expressed in the Golden Boot podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the Golden Boot podcast as a whole. Y'all ready to get rolling? Quiet on the set. Hey, welcome to another edition of HBCU Hour. It's your boy Pooh Bell. I got my man Daniel D. Williams in the building. Uh, yo, yo. Look like it's going to be a, uh, we ain't running the triangle tonight. It's going to be a pick and roll. Uh, pick and roll. Let's get it. Pick and roll offense. But uh, we here, man. It was another great week in HBCU football. Uh, I know, I know, I know. We spent our day, you know, say cheering on the LSU Tigers, but we did not forget to check out, you know, since see what everybody else was doing around the SWAC and the MEAC, also the SIAC. But first off, Daniel, what's good with you, man? How you feeling this evening? Man, I feel great. I feel great, man. A lot of good football is being played, you know. Um, a little down. Southern Jaguars can't get it together, but mm. we'll talk about that later. But besides that, man, I feel, I feel good, man. I'm blessed. I get another day on earth, so. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah, uh, Chris Ingles asked, where's Ant? Is he late? No, and 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 hey, thank you to our niece still showing up to the job, <laughs> you know, even though, you know what I'm saying, Pop ain't here. Yeah, Ant's not feeling well. He's a little bit under weather, y'all. Keep him yeah. in your hearts and prayers. Uh, we should be joined shortly by Dr. Cavill, hopefully. Uh, we I know he was uh, running um, a little late doing some things, but, but, but we still going to get into it. 
uh i guess first we'll you know say we start off here let's jump into uh what was the week last week in the sweat valley mississippi valley state we mm-hmm. talked about this mm-hmm. i think i can i, I kind of that's what that's what happened when you know what i'm saying you go from a triangle to a pick and roll the man who keeps us <laughs> straight on who said what ain't here um, yeah. but I think we all I think we all picked Ed who was like, Yeah, Valley ain't gonna get them. Yeah, well, we we had Valley, we had Valley not winning the single game. We didn't put no respect on their name this <laughs> last week at all. And Mississippi <laughs> Valley came out on Thursday night. They said, Hey, you gonna put us on prime time, we're gonna show up. And they showed up and they showed out. Um yeah. they it wasn't even close in the mouth. It right. wasn't close. It was naive. It was uh, uh I was hoping that AM, I thought AM was gonna bounce back. Um Valley jumped out on them quick. It was seven nothing in the first quarter, uh 17-7 at half. Um, and Valley just kept it rolling. They uh every time they would drop back uh for a pass, Valley would drop back for a pass, the middle would open up and they would take take off down the middle. Right. Um, <laughs> Chris Ingram said once again the golden jinx. Right. Yes, yes, it is. Right. <laughs> Dave Irvin said, At me keeping receipts. Yes, he does. He does. He keeps them receipts and let us know. But, like, yeah, we all said this. Uh, but yeah, hey, but look, I tell you, Easton, Easton had a heck of a game through two, uh, three touchdown passes. Ball, that I mean, was running right. Like, I'm like. Every, like oh. literally every time he would draw back the pass, he'd take off running. Um, he'd get uh he'd get 10, 15 yards. I'm looking now his he had eight carries, 64 yards. Right. <laughs> Automatic first down whenever he ran almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, so there you go. Um, but they weren't alone. Alcorn right at the ship. They got, you know, say got things going back. Coach McNair back in the wind column. Uh, against Prairie View, who was fighting mm. for uh, well, Prairie View was fighting for the top spot in the West. Um, things were looking kind of bleak with that with that loss. Um, they lost in overtime. That was on a Friday night again on ESPNU, and I guess Coach McNeil said, "Hey, you ain't finna embarrass me on national TV." And they got the twenty three sixteen win, uh, scoring a touchdown in overtime, and then getting the interception on the last play of it was, it was fourth time it was fourth down anyway it didn't matter but they got an interception now um so yeah but uh shout out to Alcorn man for bouncing back but not only that they got a big big game coming up this weekend so you know we'll talk about that later but yeah hopefully they can get it done let's go uh Grambling mm. Grambling yeah Grambling started to get hot at the right time uh, dominated UAPB on for their homecoming. Uh, that score being 36 to 10. Um, offense looked, uh, it looked like it was going to be the same old Grambling. Uh, no offense to anybody. But first <laughs> half, it was seven nothing first in the first half. And then they came out second half and put on the show. Um, ended that thing on 36 10. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Coach Hugh Jackson got them boys rolling uh, right. before they like they inch closer to the to the Bayou Classic, the Classic. Hey, but shout out to uh, you know Grambling's defense for the last two weeks. They've been playing really good football, solid football up front. So kudos to them. Hopefully they can keep it up. And uh, mm-hmm. they got two big games uh, coming up in the next two weeks. So hopefully those guys could hey stay hot. 
Yeah. Speaking of big games coming up, um, yeah, Alabama State. They played Bethune this past weekend. Uh, they got the dub there. They went down to Day, uh, Daytona Beach, uh, got a 37-22 win. Um, yeah. I'm still waiting on my boy. I'm still waiting on on, on, on Averett, Kamara Averett, to have that game. Um, yeah. he, he hadn't had a season like he, you know, like he had last year, but you know, hey, he's still going in the NFL. He's still going right. in the draft. Still right. gonna get picked up. So, but look, I mean, I can tell you, Allen. I mean, Bethune actually kept this game a little bit close. Uh, it didn't really turn into a blowout into the fourth quarter. So that game was a lot closer than what that score tells. So, yeah. shout yeah, out to Bethune actually, to try to. They actually had the. They went into the halftime with the lead. So yeah. Right. So, um, shout out to them, man. Um, then uh coach Eddie Robinson. Um, I think this was Monday on the uh teleconference. Yep. He's, mm-hmm. he, he was discussing um the importance of voting um and for his students athletes, uh getting them out to vote. Uh so kudos to him for for pushing that narrative, uh, uh pushing that out there for them, uh for the guys getting them and encouraging them to to go out and vote, you know, saying exercise that right. Uh, we all know it's important. Um you know saying life is politics politics is life you know we don't necessarily like it we don't like you know how things go but you know it is it's very important so um speaking of fam you know speaking of Alabama state you know fam you fam you continues to you know say on their tear uh as they move towards the end of the season um, they've got some lofty goals in mind although they may not may not because we're gonna talk about this they may not get a chance to win the SWAC or compete in the SWAC championship, but they have they have some other goals at hand. Um, but they did go and get a big win. Unfortunately, that big win was against Southern. Yeah. Yeah, which you guys know how I feel about the Jaguars. You know, they they hold pretty – I have a lot of family members that went to Southern. And uh, I followed that program for a long time. And maybe if I was 6'1", 6'2", I probably could have played there. But who knows, okay? Who knows? But, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's starting to feel like the wheels are kind of turn, uh, coming off uh, toward the end of the season. Um, you know, Southern hasn't looked the same, you know, since they played Jackson State, especially on offense. Uh, the defense, honestly, the defense also. You know, up front, I thought they were very dominant uh, before they played that Jackson State game. And, you know, I think they'll they'll hopefully get it right. But man, in a couple of weeks they got you know they got the classic coming up, so hopefully they can get it together, and yeah. uh, they don't let Grambling upset them. But we'll talk about that more next week. But Southern, come on, guys, what's going on? Yeah. So <laughs> we we were talking about this a little bit last week. Uh, Southern struggles. Um, their struggles have typically been against those top. We talked about it, the top quarterbacks in the swag, mm-hmm. and yes, this was number three. You know. Because uh, the previous day lost to uh, Body Andrew Body, um, mm-hmm. Shador, and then now you know uh, Musa at, at right. uh, FAMU. Um, Jordan Lewis is supposed to be a real big key for the um, for Southern this year on defense. Uh, he's been out uh, troubled by what I've, I've been told was a hamstring, um, so that's been uh, he's taking a hit there. Oh, well, Southern is taking a hit there. Um, also, um, offense just hadn't, like you said, they just hadn't clicked since, 
since, since, since that Jackson State game. Right, right, right. It's, it's a little broken right now, but we we all know, you know, Coach Dooley going to get it together. Mm-hmm. He's an offensive-minded head coach. So uh, I think he'll be able to ride the ship and, you know, hopefully Southern uh, be able to play, you know, better ball up front. You know, honestly, the front seven didn't do bad this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only gave up uh, 2.8 yards of carry on average. So it wasn't that bad, but the back, right. you know, the back of that defense is kind of letting them down a little bit. So hopefully they can get that together. Yeah. We'll now the craziest part about this is although Southern has, you know, saying been on a, a, a slight decline, they still in competition for the uh, for the West. They still have an outside chance. We're gonna get to that shortly uh, on what is what they need to do to make the uh, represent the West in the uh, SWAC championship. But let's talk about the other side of the Bayou Classic, Grambling. Uh, yeah. Uh, we talked about how they're winning and stuff. Uh, possibly uh, bring that heat to Southern in the Bayou Classic, or, or is this just kind of a grambling playing the right teams at the right time and Southern's playing the wrong teams at the right time? I mean, at the wrong honestly, time, I guess. Honestly, for, for me, I think that I think it's a little bit of both. I think they are playing some teams at the right time, but I do, I don't want to, you know, Alcorn State it was not a bad team. Right, you know, they beat and they beat Alcorn thirty-five to six, you know, and they put it on them. You know, APB Arkansas Pine Bluff is not the best team this year. They also lost their coach, so yeah, right, 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 and they lost their coach what last week, right? Two weeks so ago, this, two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. So yeah, this yeah. is one of those games where hey, you know, they're playing with an interim coach uh, who could possibly give them a little bit of motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Grambling, hey, you can. It's not their fault, you know. All right. It's the teams they're playing against, you know, and they're playing good football right now. So kudos to them and uh, for making it back, you know, because they had a lot of people talking about them with the G coming off and then uh, people calling them rambling. rambling you know, we yeah. even said it a couple of times on the show, you know, rambling. But, you know, they, they're getting their respect back. So kudos to them. Yeah. Um, Jackson State. Yeah. Jackson State trounces Texas Southern. Um, this was this wasn't even close. Uh, this was 41 14. Um, yeah, it this wasn't even close. Shador, uh, was 23 or 30, 252, three touchdowns. Uh, oh. Wilkerson, Wilkerson had a game. Um, yeah. Wilkerson was tw- had 26 carries, 214 yards, and two touchdowns. Two teddies, two teddies. Yeah, he so. What's up, Chuck? Hey, man. Chuck? Chuck checking in from from the row. Uh, he said he attended uh, Grambling's homecoming. I know it was lit. I know it was Facts. lit. So, um, yeah. So, Facts. But yeah, go go ahead, man. But yeah, man. Shout out to Shador. You know what I'm saying? Uh, hopefully he can win the Heisman this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's tongue in cheek. But uh, mm-hmm. but you know he still he's continued to play great ball. Texas Southern is not a bad football team at no, all. No, Texas Southern is his you know, body was one of like I said, one of those top two or top three quarterbacks in the swag. So right. And yeah. Right. And I mean in Jackson State, it just proves, man, Jackson State is continuing to roll. You know, uh they're possibly putting up one of the best seasons in HBCU history. 
Uh, Chuck Chuck came through with his pre. He said, "I predict Jack State to uh, defeat Texas Southern 45-14. I was close. You were close. That is, you was yeah. very close, sir. Very close. Very yeah. close. How about you, Paul? Sliding my DMs if you got any more predictions because I need to make some money this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's some big games this it's weekend. Parlays, yes, yeah, sir. It's, it's some it's some huge games this weekend. This weekend, so." Um, but let's let's get into this one, Daniel. Let's let's talk about um the standings. Let me yep. bring this up real quick. We if we look, you'll see on the east side, of course, Jackson State is at the top seven and no, um, nine and no overall on the season. Behind them is Florida and M at seven and two, five and one in the SWAC. Uh Alabama State is four and two in the SWAC. Um and six and three on the season, then everybody else from there is you know, three and three, two and four, one and five. Right. Uh, that's AM, Bethune Cookman, Mississippi Valley State. Uh, right. On the west side, you got Prairie View. AM is still at the top with a four and two SWAC record. Uh, Southern is right behind them at three and three. Um, Texas Southern is behind them with three and three. Alcorn is three and three as well. And then you got Grambling at two and four and Pine Bluff at 0 and six. Um, so, 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 so here are the scenarios of how this could play out. Let's go. East scenarios. All Jackson State has to do to clinch the SWAC championship is win either week 11 or week 12. That is it. Just that simple. Right. Um, <laughs> Florida and them needs to win. They have to win out and hope Jackson State loses out or loses both games to secure the SWAC championship. Huh. Interesting. Um, <laughs> now, here's where all the um, mental gymnastics come into play. On the West side, with the West scenarios, uh, with a prayer view win in week 11 – Southern and Texas Southern are both eliminated from the SWAC championship race. Mm-hmm. If Prairie View wins and Alcorn loses in week 11, uh, Prairie View wins the SWAC West title. I, I Honestly, I, I think it's safe to say that Prairie View is probably in good hands because that next two teams they play, they play Arkansas Palm Bluff and they play Mississippi Valley State. Now, Mississippi Valley State can play spoiler, spoiler kind of like what they did to Alabama, uh, Alabama hold on, hold on, A&M my this past my, my weekend. Boss, my boss just walked in. Hold on. Oh, uh, you good. You good. But, yeah, but uh, honestly, talking to the people out there, Alabama A&M could possibly come back and uh, get this done. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's the last scenario, Okay. If mm-hmm. Prairie View loses in week 11 and all the SWAC West teams that are 3-3 three and three in the conference win, there will be a four-way tie for first place entering the, five, uh, the final week of the season. That is, yeah, chaos. Right. Chaos on that side. Um, but the chaos just don't stop in the SWAC. Um, Miak, so – before I even jump into this and start talking about the MEAC games that, that had, you know, that were played this past weekend. Um, 
we talked about when we we do go uh, the Golden Boot, uh, how this season reminds us of 2007, how uh, nobody is safe no matter uh, what your position is, no matter your rank. That's right. You have uh, in the MEAC, there's only six teams, right? Everybody has beaten everybody. It's <laughs> just about. And I actually hit up uh, Jamie Walker, a good friend of the show. And I told Jamie Walker, uh, I said, man, first place is cursed. Because every time somebody's sitting in first place, they lose. And um, the chaos continues. North Carolina A&T punishes Norfolk State. I mean, North Carolina A&T is no longer in the conference. But they did come back and play, you know, saying that good old rivalry, Norfolk State, uh, beating them 49 to 24. But here's where we the, the chaos begins. Howard, who was number one and leading the, the MEAC at 2 and 0, uh, played against South Carolina, uh, I'm sorry, North Carolina Central and got demolished. They got beaten <laughs> 50 to 21. And now <laughs> Howard is basically in, in, a, in a hope and a prayer kind of situation. Um, they fall to two and one in the conference. North Carolina Central is three and one in the conference, and they control uh, the, the MEAC uh, right at this point. Um, as we know, they were actually EAC lead uh, to begin this, well, I think it was about three or four weeks ago. Um, mm -hmm. until they right until they play South Carolina State, which South Carolina State was still in the fight till they played Delaware State, which we all picked South Carolina State to beat them. No, no, that ain't true. Did, oh, you're right, you're yeah. right, because you said you yeah. wanted to be different. Yeah, I had an upset, not just yeah. different, I had an upset. You did, you did. Oh, upset. good night, Anit. Hey, good night, sweetie. Good you night. have a good night, have a good day at school tomorrow. Thank yes, you for coming to see us. We'll see you tomorrow. Go take care of your daddy. That man is sick, sick. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so Delaware State pretty much completely knocked South Carolina State out of contention. Uh, ain't even pretty much ain't technically they did. The South Carolina right. State is done. Um, there will be no repeat uh champion for the uh celebration bowl. So that's right. something that's very interesting though. Mm. But hey, the thing is, you know, it, it it makes a lane for North Carolina to go back to dominate dominating the MEAC. And not only that, we've seen well, yeah, technically it goes back, but it was North Carolina and T that was dominating before ah. they left and went to the big to the big south. North Carolina, I think the only time that the SWAC has won the celebration bowl was when Grambling beat North Carolina Central. Ah, okay, okay. I stand corrected. Yeah. Is that correct? I got my North Carolinas mixed up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, but, yeah. No, yeah go or ahead. we get, or or should we say it just hey, it just goes back to North Carolina dominating. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. That's, that's why I say right. wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Right, I mean, right, technically, right. North Carolina still does control it, uh, or or was went running it. It's just the other side. Um, yeah. Uh, Morgan State uh, played an out of conference game against Stony Brook. Um, and we all, I know we all picked uh, Morgan State on this one because Stony Brook had was like 0 and 8 or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. where is it? Yeah, Stony Brook, there was one and six or something, or, or yeah, one and seven. And Stony Brook got a win by two points. <laughs> so, yeah, Morgan State, I mean, they weren't even in the um, 
in the run for um I, I guess technically they were they were just one and one so i guess technically they were still in the fight for um the miak but that is over with so um done done um howard uh i see we got dr cavill backstage and uh we'll bring him up shortly um but howard we just talked about this one howard losing the lead so oh i guess that's all the game so let's let's look at the scenarios here's mm-hmm. the scenarios on how the the meat plays out and this one's actually pretty simple um here are your standings of course as you can see north carolina central is up top howard is below them um and it's again it's very simple with a win North Carolina Central clinches the, the Celebration Bowl berth. With a loss um, and a Howard loss, they still clinch the berth. Howard can only clinch if North, if they win and North Carolina Central loses. That is it. Simple. Um, not as complex and not as much mental gymnastics as the, the swag side, but there we go. Yeah. Um, but, ladies and gentlemen, I know y'all ain't come here to hear us. at all so let's bring up and it is an honor and a pleasure to bring up the dr cavill host of the hbcu sports lab welcome to the hbcu hour dr cavill thank you for joining us hold on we got we we short a man tonight so we kind of doing things it's all good i appreciate you Appreciate yes, you representing. Hey, what? Hey, who ain't sweat? Baby, what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dr. Bill. So, typically, we have three people. Uh, one of okay. our, uh, you know, so we usually do it. You know, what I'm saying we, we're in a triangle offense. We're trying to do a pick and roll now. So, uh, we saw the guy, but but it is an honor and a pleasure. And he told me to tell you, you know, what I'm saying he, he hate he missed. Uh, speaking on with you but thank you for coming on with us and, and, and talking with us um we're really just kind of recapping those games before we jump into uh the heart of of, of the conversation that we want to have with you uh, but first 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 um how are you today how, how is everything going? i'm doing well as you can see i'm in the hotel so i'm here in las vegas i literally got okay. off the flight so i apologize i think we oh no problem oh good 8 15 so i'm a little bit behind schedule but i wanted to jump on here and I appreciate the opportunity to invite and certainly want to share some love and uh, make sure we get it on for these HBC sports. Yes, tell sir. Tell the world yes, our story. Yes, sir. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Cavill, I, I just want to tell you now, at SWAT Media Day, um, we saw you over, you know what I'm saying, over, you know what I'm saying, doing your interview, conducting your interviews and stuff. I was like, oh, he looks important. We need to go speak. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we got over there and was like, hmm. It was like, nah, we ain't gonna bother nobody today. <laughs> Turn around. So, got... nah, it's all good, man. I'm hoping people tell you that's not my style. All right, right, we'll right. Talk, we'll talk, we'll chop it up, as they say over here in the Texas area, and uh, we'll let it be what it be. So, yeah, mm-hmm. next time we come across, don't hesitate to. Oh, not at all, not at all. Uh, but could you tell you know, since some of our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, because a lot of people hear Dr. Cavill and and they kind of recognize you for, for you know for your hair, the, the visor and stuff. And um it's become the brand now. Right, <laughs> right. But right. No yeah, well, t- tell us about yourself and your platform. Okay, um, just a little bit about myself in terms of where I'm from. I was born in Norman, Oklahoma. People may not realize that. Uh, on the campus of OU, 
Um, but my grandfather actually went to Prairie View. Um, okay. And so I was the legacy there. My great uncle went to Wiley College and played football in 1920 when the conference first started. He was part of the Wiley College team that dominated the conference for that decade and um, a little bit after that. But he was an All-American. I have an award named after him that I do for the best HBCU player that is connected with the state of Texas. His name is Ben L. Calvo Sr. Um, his son actually played for Prairie View with the last national championship team in the 60s. The center there. His grandson played at OU, so you see the transition where players uh, are playing at HBCUs uh, at private schools like he was in the early decades. Then they transitioned and started playing with the public institutions. As you started to see the transition of the private schools leaving the SWAC and more public schools coming in, then you see the third transition in a lot of ways uh, with players leaving what I call HBCUs and going to uh, historically white colleges and universities, HWCUs. Um, I do that to play the equality uh, in terms of the framing. That's why I use that term versus what Instead some of PWI. other people use. Right, yeah, right. Other use just to, to provide that levity for it. But with that being said, that's the older chapter in the history of where some connections there. I was reared in Waco, Texas, uh, Central yeah. Texas area. Folks may be familiar with that. Um, it's about an hour and a half uh, central between Austin and Texas, right? Really in the middle, and that's kind of why they call it Central Texas. Paul Quinn used to be there when I grew up. Paul Quinn was there. As I was leaving and went to Prairie View, it actually moved uh, to Dallas uh, on the campus of Vista College. Both of those schools were obviously members of the SWAC in that first decade that I talked about. Uh, this is to kind of show that connection. As we right. joke and say, we are swag. You see, right. that's a really your swag. For yeah. Me. Yeah. yeah, so you know, <laughs> yeah. I happened to go to Prairie View, had that opportunity, um, was looking at architecture engineering. They had architecture and they had mechanical, civil, electrical engineering, chemical engineering. I had a good friend that's become my best friend uh, out of Detroit, uh, Alan Williams, and he was doing mechanical engineering. I said, well, I'm going to do engineering, so I'm doing mechanical engineering too. Uh, weird but that's real talk how it sometimes happens right Um, and so i got uh opportunity coming out of there and went to alabama where i met my wife that went to alabama a&m so it's a hbcu family there (laughs) so a house um connected in so many united as we like to say uh, on an hbcu framework right right Um, and so uh, my son he loves hbcu bands he goes in there He's a little privileged, you know. We 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 get the side seat court side now that we have all that stuff, suites, yeah. and so he doesn't know anything about that. So he thinks uh, all HBCUs, from that perspective, is just about being connected. There, lasting part of it is kind of where we connected, and a lot of people probably know me is from the show. Do right. a show inside the HBC Sports Labs every Tuesday and Thursday, show. six o'clock Central Standard Time. Thank you. We try to model it where we do a little more business, 60 minute, if you would, kind of mm-hmm. a framework of sports. Um, everybody has their part, and that's the lane we like to run in to try to educate and give people some specifics about why decisions are made, why they mm-hmm. may be difficult, where they should be going, and why they should be going in that direction based on all the guidelines and policies that are out there that are a little more cumbersome than people want to be bothered with. But we at least share it for that. And then during the football season, as you know, we do a show uh, Sunday morning to kind of recap what y'all talking about now. We do a recap on Sunday morning when it's fresh. 
and excited. Yeah, right. People are extremely happy. Oh, um, they mad. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. And I bring a couple of guys in to kind of expand the framework. And one of the things I love and why I was happy uh, that you all decided to call is I like to build up the next generation as we span this. It's not just about me and what I bring to the table and my voice. We need various and different voices out there that care and want to share HBCUs uh, as they're connected, whether they come with it now or their family is connected over periods of time or they just gravitate to it. We need people to show their unique connection and what they want to do. So anytime I get an opportunity to share my framework with another group to kind of hopefully uplift them, not to say that I'm that important, but it, if it brings a different vehicle for people to check it out, I'm right with it. So I'm glad you all reached out and said, hey, man, come see what, what we're doing over here. No doubt about it. Right. No problem. Now, now let me let me ask this because you you said uh, when you mentioned your your grandfather the, in the award's name you said Cavill. Yes. So that's okay. a running joke. So that side of the family, you know how African American and black families over the years we kind of were split in different ways. Okay. Whether it was being from our enslaved uh, individuals brought us over, or you know we had families that were split, and sometimes mm -hmm. uh, it was because of the nature that we were in that time. And we had that. So we had one family that lived in one area. And so somebody pronounced it a certain way and the other side pronounced okay. it the other way. So we come together when we do this award, previous COVID, when we used to do it live. And that was like the joke of the thing because people would be like, Cavill, Cavill. And I would always say this. <laughs> and Ben, I'll send this to him since y'all gave me a chance to talk about this. I say that's Ben L. Cavill, the senior, which is Ben Anthony, right? Um, I tell him that's the sedated side. Okay. <laughs> the bourgeoisie the side. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure we can say your name because listen, people mess up my last name all the time, and they, you know, I just listen, just stop, just stop, <laughs> just stop. <laughs> yeah, so you had it right, Kabil. Okay, yes, sir. Uh, and look, I, I want to say, Doctor Kabil, look, I, I put I put the glasses on tonight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we put our we put on look, our we, nice shirts. Yeah, we gotta match your energy, you know. Yeah, we, yeah, I like that. I like that. Y'all look no, good up there. Got the brand, you yeah. know. See, I like any time when you do the brand, the component. People don't understand that's right. Support. That's right. Hey, we know. Look, hey, sports marketing, you know, that's that's what you teach, you know what I'm saying? So hey, we gotta make sure we're putting our brand out there. We want to get it. I, I'll say this, represent it. Uh Charles Barkley said, You can put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. So we still crazy now. We still <laughs> We, we, we just look a little for, better with it. Yeah. Matter of <laughs> fact, our guys on here. Sick. Yeah. He said, "What's up, fellas? Hey, we're gonna need that doctor's excuse too. You're gonna get paid. You got your doctor's right. excuse." Right. We'll you <laughs> All right. So, but but Dr. Uh, Dr. Bill, now we just touched. We touched on SWAC and MEAC. Um, SIAC. It kind of gets left off um, a lot of times because they are uh, what D two, I guess, or however you want to look at it. Uh, they're they're not necessarily quote unquote. Uh, D1, they're not your, you know, even even in the HBC yeah. ranks. Um, That's correct. But, but in my, you know, so I, Tuskegee is near and dear to my heart. I got a cousin with Tuskegee. There and I, can, I, told, I told the guys my senior year of high school, um, I went to homecoming, Tuskegee's homecoming. There it turns out, turn it out. The shed, the shed was rocking and ball and parlay started playing. And I was hooked ever since. 
and Ant messed around, and I told him, I said, if you ever get a chance, watch watch YouTube and watch Ball and Parlay. You'll go in the rabbit hole, down the rabbit hole, and listen, you'll be hooked. And he <laughs> he sent me a text message and said, hey, I just watched the video, and I just applied for Tuskegee. So, <laughs> but they did, they did just have their homecoming. They uh, played Miles, which was actually kind of a, I guess, you, yeah, this, that, that game is going to be a little interesting for years to come, just simply because of, of Coach Ruff and leaving Miles to go to Tuskegee. Um, but they won in overtime on the last play. So that was a close one. And with that, they submitted their uh they submitted their uh spot in a championship against Benedict, who steamrolled Allen. They, I mean, that was we we've been saying every week, Daniel. Um Benedict's what was it? What Benedict's uh still rolling. And they like I said, steamrolled Allen. Yeah. Um and I think I think the problem with Benedict and many people, they're not kind of giving them their respect is because they were able to get that program turned around so fast. So quick. Yeah. So the last I mean, year's record and it was yeah. No, I, I would agree exactly with that. Um yeah. you you have this thing just like you see with these bigger programs, whether it's the pros or power fives, you know, those branded programs that have been successful over the years, they tend to get the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, they get a little bit of the love. And you see this. So if this was Tuskegee, as you see in there, they got it rolling. Everybody all of a sudden talk, start talking about Tuskegee because they were that brand. Uh, Morehouse, you know, if they ever get back in there, Clark Atlanta, because they've been doing it for so long right. for Valley Albany, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's just what they do. Now, Benedict, you'd be like, I'm not sure, but that's a talented program. Is it for Great coach, right. and they, as you yeah. said, it, they are rolling. they just doing it yeah. again. Yeah, that defense that they that has really led that that school. I mean, led that team this year. Um, man, it's it's. I know they haven't they haven't given up what maybe what sixty points all season, something that like is. that. Yep. That's crazy. Um, Virginia Union bounced back. They had you know suffered that first loss pre not last week but the week prior to. Um, they bounced back against Virginia State. Um, Morehouse the, the that you just mentioned uh, did squeak out a win. I mean, literally squeak out a win. <laughs> Against Clark, uh, unfortunately, I'm a Clark fan, so I was like disappointed. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. So Clark. unfortunately, uh, after the game, Morehouse and head coach Rich Freeman decides part ways, and he he penned a very very heart uh, very touching letter to the fans and stuff. And so, um, wish him the best of luck in his next endeavors, and we shall you know see what how this moves on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what direction they go. In terms mm-hmm. of who they go with, um, Morehouse is one of those institutions with a rich academic brand uh, that you think that they would be better with the sport. And it's similar to Howard at the FCS level in the MEAC, uh, particularly in the sport of football. And some of the other Olympic sports, they mm-hmm. end up doing pretty well. So it's always weird, you know, with that. Howard is starting to rebrand and basketball a lot more. And Morehouse over the last couple of years have been really good. Obviously, you had the tragic passing last year of their head coach so it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do because he was a legacy in terms of the land print and the footprint that he put over that program but um, as you're alluding to Morehouse can't quite get it right in football they hadn't been really think about this uh, they hadn't been good uh, since the days of Doug Williams remember Doug Williams actually started the two before he went to Grambling and went on their road he was over there in uh, did really well. Had them in the championship race. Didn't win the championship. 
Um, but that's kind of the last time that I can remember that they at least were in the mix for. It. Right. Wow. All right. Um, why, why do you think? Why do you think that it's a problem? Whenever, because we all know, you know, honestly, sports is the is the, it's the door to your program. I mean, it's the door to your school. So, what's the reasoning behind them not actually wanting to focus in on that football program? Is it budgeting? Is it because I mean, they're in Atlanta, you know? Yeah, it's a good question. tons of talent around it. Uh, that's right. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and I always say these these concerns when you look at there, it's never one point. And I think that's one of the things that we get ourselves in trouble. We try to find one thing. Sure. Um, and I think it's a multiplicative of components that bring it to the table, right? One of them is, like you said, the commitment that they made. And over the years, they didn't make a huge commitment mm. uh, to athletics, specifically to football, because it could be quite expensive. I think mm. over the last decade, they have made more of a commitment. So it's not just a commitment. But brand awareness. So if you're if you're a young man and you're out of Atlanta, uh, you probably are going to look more at going to Tuskegee if you want to stay in a private school. You still get to go play in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with right. some, you know, Clark Atlanta in that matchup. Obviously, you play at Morehouse in a neutral site, uh, but you can get there, or you can go to Albany, Fort Valley, the programs that have been stronger for a while. So you got that niche. It's, it's harder to recruit there. Uh, because people have options even at that level. And then right. you have the options where a lot of folks coming out of Atlanta, they might be trying to go FCS. So you had a talent evaporation of people going to Alabama A&M, Alabama State, FAMU, Bethune-Cookman, if you still want to go to private school, that's an option, right? And so you have those unique challenges. Um, and then uh, because they do have an academic rigor and people don't always like to talk about this, uh, but the entrance requirements for students that get into the program is a little higher than you may have for some of your other institutions. Mm-hmm. So you really have, when you do that, that means as a coach, you got to be that much more spot on. Right? Right. You don't have the opportunity to make as many mistakes. If you have 80 some scholarships at the FBS level, right, Power Five, you have a little more room for error because you have more numbers, right, to get the kids that you want. You go to FCS, it's 63. That means yep. you got a little less error. And right. let's say you're valid. That doesn't give the 63. That means as a coach, everything you do has to hit. So when you go down to 32, that means your ability to miss. Miss, man. I don't think people understand that math. It's like you got to be spot on. So that's why when you get to some people like Coach Ruffins, you really have to start talking about the talent that they're doing. Uh, Benedict College coach now in terms of what he's doing. When you start to yeah. see these guys that are able to get it right, that means they're good teachers more than most. Right. They really evaluate and understand how to bring in staff that are able to get more than most. And they can really recruit well in terms of seeing talent uh, that they can develop and see something. And that's a unique skill that I don't think administrators, certainly not fans, always recognize about some of these talented coaches that are able to get more from less and do not ha- have the unique ability to not make those kind of errors. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to say this. Um, and it's, it's, it's it, it, y'all gonna have to excuse my ignorance. I did not know Morehouse had a football team until maybe like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I seriously, I mean, that's because I knew again, I knew Clark Atlanta had one. Um, I knew, you know. The other schools you name, Tuskegee, Fort Valley, you know, say I, I knew about them. I 
I thought Morehouse was strictly, you know, saying um, a a uh, academic institution, and I think I knew they had a basketball team, and that was it. Um, I didn't even realize they had a football team, and, and, and but that goes back to Daniel, as Brandon. you said, Brandon, and and not even putting that, you know, the the focus was not on, you know, that side of the house, so. But uh, shout out to our guys at Down South Football. Said hoping for a better uh, year next year for Allen. My brother gonna turn it around. Shout out to my brother from another mother, Coach Teddy Keating. So nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, Chuck. Chuck is our one of our historians. He drops in. He said Tampa oh, Bay. Oh yeah, Bucks. Chuck. Chuck is a big dude. He comes to the show too. I like. Chuck. Yeah, he actually said uh, he met you uh, in 2017. I, I saw the comment er- earlier. Uh, but he says that uh, Tampa Bay's head coach Ty Balls. Uh, Ty Bowles, excuse me, was on Doug Williams coaching staff right. at Morehouse and two seasons at Grambling with Doug Williams as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, he puts in them jewels. I love it. His ability yeah. to connect the history and go and get those nuggets that you don't right. uh, quite think about. He's brilliant about doing that. Great job, Chuck. Appreciate that connection. There. Yeah, sure. so, so speaking of, of those teams, uh, we were talking earlier about Jackson State. Um mm-hmm. And I, I, I know in the topics, um, we kind of asked I'm, – I'm going to change how we ask this question. Um, relative, I guess you could say relative to time, where does Jackson State rank amongst some, some of those great teams that we think of from, like, um, Ooh, HBCU man. era? That is so tricky and challenging. Obviously, the most recent one you have to think about, if they can finish it out. North Carolina mm-hmm. A&T went undefeated most right. recently in 13-0, so that's one team you got to pick it up. And so some of those undefeated teams uh, back in the 60s, you got to think about that. But so much has changed now that I I hate comparing to eras. I think it's important because then it gives you a chance to remember those great teams in the past. So that is important. So I'm glad you asked it for that. But um, you always get in this thing is like so much has changed in terms just Mm -hmm. the power framework of so much media involved, social media that creates a whole different – amount of variables about how talented the team was. So right. I think this team is extremely talented in a lot of ways, but some of those other teams obviously probably had more talent on the team, but mm-hmm. you also got to think about that there were more talent maybe with teams they were competing against too. That's true. Because there weren't as many options. And other, let's be frank, when you're talking about the 50s and 60s, they just, you know, historically white colleges were not recruiting kids in the South. Right. So some of the teams, I, the best way I can probably explain how talented some of those teams is, and you're starting to hear a little bit about Jackson State. Like mm-hmm. um, they left one of the wide receivers that didn't come to Houston because he's a little injured, but they had a kind of depth. Uh, when they went to Miami, there was a guy, Malachi, that was like uh, second team all swag last year. He didn't even, he wasn't on the travel squad. He dropped to like third or fourth team on the depth chart. Yeah. So yeah. their depth is probably what really separates them right now from everybody else, which is similar to what you heard of teams in the 50s and 60s. Prairie mm-hmm. View, FAMU, those teams were so talented that um, if you didn't make the practice squad, and remember, they didn't have all the money, so they, would, they wouldn't travel. They traveled really yeah. small, and people were playing both ways. So if you didn't practice that week, you got a little nick injury, you weren't going to make it in the game. You weren't going to make it on the travel team. Yeah, and those teams still were telling that depth that coach wouldn't worry about it because he had the talent. And those players were so scared about playing through injuries, and they mm-hmm. would tell it because I got to interview some of them. They'd tell you it's like 
they were scared to death not to go through practice because if they gave up their spot, they probably wouldn't get it back. Because wow. their backup was as talented, if not more talented. A lot of times they just played, you know, played the thing. If you know, if you were a senior old classman, you were playing, they wouldn't bump you unless you got hurt, got injured, and the other guy came in. Then oh boy, <laughs> you might not get it back. So right, yeah. Yeah, so go ahead, go ahead, Daniel. Well, I was just thinking, of course, you know, during Grambling's era, you know, of them running the table and, yeah, and just being dominant. Some, you got to talk about some of those Grambling teams. Right. You know, I, I would also – I was talking to uh, Pooh Bear before the show. You know, maybe yeah, we would – I would I would say maybe reframe the question of, you know, if Prime decides – if Coach Deion Sanders decides to stay, let's say maybe four or five years, could he be on the brink of possibly – Building a mini dynasty. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. I think he's really close. If he closed out the deal this year, which I believe he's going to do it in the modern age, I think you could yeah. almost say he has a dynasty now. Mm-hmm. If he stays yeah. around and continue it, um, I think he has so much unique influence and ability to navigate the space. It's going to take another year or two for teams to catch up with him. You yeah. know, Willie Simmons at FAMU, um, mm-hmm. at least the first year, is pretty close. Yeah. They're talking about moving that game from the first of the year to so November. Remember, and I yeah. think that would help you a little more than it does, you know, starting out. Because um, I think just the talent you have there uh, at Jackson State makes it easier to play that game and, and make it happen and get it done. So that's probably a program you have to watch out. Obviously, Southern, the brand name there, they're going to mm-hmm. a lot of things. Grambling's going to need to mix. Prairie View continues to push forward. But I think it's going to be a couple of years where folks can get the talent accumulation, if you would, to compete with Jackson State. Um, I don't think a lot of people want to hear it, but I'm telling you that the, what is really one of the differences they have is not just their key stars, but the depth they have. Right, right. Um, um, they go to their seconds, to some degree, their thirds, and there's not much drop-off. Most teams mm-hmm. you see that they go to their second and third, there's a – it's some significant drop-offs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. significant drop-offs. yeah. Our guy, Ant, Ant Marshall, says, uh, Grambling had a run under Fobbs that was similar to what Deion hey, has done one at second, Jackson State. One second real quick. Yes, if you don't mind, just give me 30 seconds. Oh, no problem. All right. I also – look, I also want to ask him about uh, the collapse of Southern, too. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we'll get to, hold hold yeah. on. Let me bring this back up. Uh, Dan, listen – all right, Doctor Gouvia, hold on. You see how Aunt is, you know, saying got the church suit and everything on. I just want, I just want, I just want to keep that, you know, saying in mind next time when he when he feeling better, he come back on the show. He look clean too. Let him know I say he look clean. Now. I missed. Yeah, him. he, he <laughs> did. Yeah. That's how I got man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, he brought up the point of uh, Gremlin having a run under fobs that was similar to what Dion has done. Um, as Jackson State and, and, and likes to point out, and, and Dr., uh, Dr. McClellan pointed out, Bob's is the only one, only coach in the swag to win the celebration bowl. So, yeah, uh, and he did, and that's a big thing mm-hmm. because, um, anytime you win the championship and you add that layer to it to the bowl, same like those teams that were winning when the Heritage Bowl came in, mm-hmm. there, um, that takes you a step above beyond of some of those teams. So. You're right. Credit to Fobbs in terms of being able to get it done there. One thing that I think is interesting is like MEAC folks will talk about, hey, this is the MEAC over the swag. And I like, well, it was like two MEAC teams and one of them gone. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, so I don't, you know, it's North Carolina over everybody else. Yeah. We, we just say the same <laughs> there. But, right. you know, it'll be interesting to see because, uh, you know, last year South Carolina State got it done. Coach Bud, if you, and I was glad to see Bud, if you get it, um, the legacy that he's put out there, credit to him. That's my cousin. That's my cousin. I think someone that one. We got same. Well, that ain't your cousin. Hey, <laughs> he got, he got, he got. He, I tell you, he got out the boat before us. His folks got out the boat before us. That's all. <laughs> yeah, and they did a lot of it. Something yeah. around the world. You know, the Caribbean. They dropped us all. Yeah. South America. So yeah, we just got dropped off in different places. We still. And even when you talk about the celebration bowl, other than like two games, the one last year that got out of hand in A&T's last championship uh, where they ended up winning by 21. But even in that point, it went back and forth 14 points. But all the rest of them were less than a touchdown score. Right, so they right. were really close and competitive games, which is a good thing when you talk about a championship. And to be able to get the numbers and the viewers, viewers are going to tune in. And when they see the game is close, they're going to stay tuned in. So that's important just in terms of the matchup. So it's going to be fascinating uh, if North Carolina Central wins this weekend, which I believe they will against Norfolk State, because that yeah. team is focused. They had their hiccup, and they got breath of life back after this past weekend, obviously, with South Carolina State uh, yes. getting beat by Delaware State. that did them a favor. I think they're going to be focused. So you're looking at North Carolina Central probably coming into the Celebration Bowl at 9-2, and 8-3 and three at worst probably. Mm-hmm. If they lose that game to Tech at the end of the year. Um, but I think they should beat them, even though it's on the road. Um, and then, obviously, um, even though you got several teams in the West, Southern uh, would like another shot at them. Prairie View would like another shot from last year. Right. And they're probably the front runners to get that shot. And Texas Southern and Grambling are saying, hey, we're on the watch. Don't slip. Yeah, we're we're we did the scenario. Right on your heels. Uh, <laughs> let me bring it up again. The, the, the scenario. So Prairie View truly is in the, in the driver's seat. Basically, if they win and um, if they win this week, uh, everybody else is eliminated. Um, but if I think it's like if they win and Alcorn loses, then um, then they clinch or something. But either way, and then it's like they would pretty much have to lose and, and then everybody else have to win for there even to be a conversation. Um, so they pretty much are in the, the driver's seat. Uh, yeah, preview, yeah. So it's, just, it's what the problem they get to now is they just running out of games. You know, what I'm yeah. saying? You, you run it out of windows. You get that last two weeks, and not much you can do. Um, right. So it'll be fascinating, and then they get the benefit of playing. It, I mean, it is on the road, and any swag game on the road is tough. But you're playing Pine Bluff, made the coaching change, so they're having some struggles there. So if you can jump on early, you think you would better get some things. And then the fact that they can run against Pine Bluff, which plays into Prairie View's hands, is uh, Pine Bluff has given up some yards, so uh, mm-hmm. if they don't fumble the ball away and make those mistakes, you think they can find a way to get out of there with the victory, um, and they'll get the shot. But I think I say all that to say that Jackson State is on a mission. Right. I see them going into <laughs> – Ain't nobody beating them this year. Exactly. <laughs> I see them going in the Celebration Bowl at 12-0. So you're talking about a 12-0, 9-2 matchup. That's pretty good on paper in terms of what you can market. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. happy about right. that in terms of what that looks like. So it's fascinating to see that. Yeah. Now, now, Dr. Cavill, um, we talked about FAMU. You talked about Coach uh, Coach Simmons. Um, 
what he's doing. They they since they lost to and they look really good considered with all things considered with the the admin stuff going on when they played North Carolina. They look really good. Look very competitive. Um, and a lot of people thought, especially the way they played against North Carolina. Uh, going against that, you know, going into that Jackson State game that they might, and, and the way last year played out, they had a chance. And then the ball was kicked off, and I guess they were still in North Carolina and right. hadn't, made, hadn't made it or yet. Right, right. Uh, but since since that Jackson State game, they've been on the road. Um, the only fault they have is they're in the same division as Jackson State. But we, you know, and we we alluded to this a little bit earlier. They have a chance to possibly play in the playoffs. Correct. Um, they have Alabama State this weekend. Um, they've actually marketed this, and I was talking with Daniel about this uh, before. They've marketed this as a, a a day trip. You know, they've been selling tickets to bring fans, more fans to the game. Um, uh, it's like a, I think it was like a day party. They're gonna have a yeah day, day party. Yeah, it was like a, a hundred dollars. It was like for your ticket and your bus trip, round trip. You know, take you to the game, bring you back, and everything. So, I mean, I thought it was an excellent idea, smart idea. Um, bring your fans and stuff with you, but 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 not a lot of teams HBCUs try to participate in the uh playoffs. Um, why is I mean, I understand some of the the, the contractual stuff why the uh the, the champions don't, but why don't other HBCUs try to participate in the, the playoffs? The FCS playoffs. FCS playoffs, yeah. Yeah, I think that's an important question that you're asking there. And part of it is the, the incentive to play in the playoffs is not as high as it could be from a financial standpoint. A lot of people don't realize that you really don't make money in the playoffs. And uh, programs that are seeking to generate revenue, that's not just something that you – snap your head at and be like, oh, it's no big deal, you know, money right. here, whatever. No, it is a, a significant thing. And so to play in the playoffs, you, you have to – if you're going to have a home game, which is advantageous, mm -hmm. if you're going to go to playoffs, to mean you play to win, which right. means uh, when you look at the percentage of teams that win because they play at home, it's extremely high. So you want a home game. Well, to get a home game, you got to bid for it. There's a couple yeah. of things about that is you bid, the minimum bid is 30, 40, uh, and it increases each round. Um, and then you got to bid against other folks that want to do it. So you got to bid really higher than that 30. All right. The thing is that first round for African-Americans, culturally, um, we tend to celebrate Thanksgiving with our families. That's right. If you have yeah. the major uh, traditions, you might have Alabama State with a turkey day, but it's still with the family surrounding the game. Bayou Classic, right? Um, it's on a Saturday after Thanksgiving, so a lot of people mm -hmm. go home to Thanksgiving, and then um, after they spend time with the family, they'll get out that Friday, Saturday morning to go to Bayou Classic. Or you have all the Southern and Grambling folks that are connected, and they have a whole family thing connected right there in New Orleans, a part of right. like, Turkey Day in the hotels or whatever, or just have a meal. So that there's still a big cultural family thing. Well, if you have that and you spending money to have home game, but your fans are not going to be there because they're with their family, then you're losing money. So what is the true benefit of participating in it, um, right. in, in, in it from that perspective? Obviously, the fact that you want to uh, continue season, which I think is important. Uh, and if you're going to do it, obviously, you want to win and seek to play for a national championship, right? 
So funding-wise, that is a major issue from what I've heard with the ADs that are looking to see what's going on. So the NCA has not made it uh, as, as beneficial to push for HBCUs to seek, um, especially in the SWAC, where they have so many other opportunities of how to culturally have their fans aware about celebrating their programs and their brands. Uh, and so you have some fans in the SWAC, uh, as much as the MEAC, that do like the idea of the playoffs. But I'm just saying there's a larger percentage that um, are not as appreciative of what that looks like. So that, that's an issue on the table. Before you go, Daniel, um, I do know that at one point, and I know it's not FCS, um, but I do know that at one point Tuskegee stopped the uh, Turkey Day Classic with Alabama State because they wanted to start participating in, in the playoffs on their side. Um, but I think that that shortly kind of ended as well. Yeah, that um, didn't last even a decade, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But you're right. They they made that move, and then it came back to finances. They just yeah. – um, couldn't have the finances to support what they needed to do to keep continue to elevate the program. The first couple of years, um, they did really good about the program and made some decent runs in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But if you're committed to that, you, I don't think people understand the financial means you need to have in your program to have success. Mm -hmm. Too many people think that success is just because you have talented players and some good coaches. Mm -hmm. No. You can look at any level. Oh, that's right. <laughs> in any sport, you know, there's a high level of percentages the teams that win. There was one study that was out there that was fascinating that I came across. You know, nerd out on this. I can't help it. Uh, that's who I am. But they had what they call this red line. And this red line was for basketball. And basketball, you know, you had these major programs, right? Power five. Mm -hmm. But you right. had this turn where they had major and mid-major programs, and they even had low-major programs. Well, they had this red line that was done that looked at the winning percentage and the financial money that was put in the program. So they looked at it uh, in terms of uh, the overall conference, what the conference spent, and then what the overall program spent. And what they found out is like about 70, almost 80% of the time, if you had a certain budget, your team won versus teams that didn't. Mm. And that's the clearest indication I could tell anybody wow. right. that all this thing that you talk about having great coach, great coaches are great coaches. Yeah, because they can call up a play here too, but they usually great coaches because they had the best players. That's right. They had the best players because they had the most money and best facility. It, it's not an accident. There you go. It's not an accident. I would almost it's like running a business. If you don't invest in your business, then your business nine out of ten is not going to be profitable. It's the same thing as running a program. If, if, pro, if you know, if alumni if people don't want to give back to their schools, don't want to give back to their programs, nine out of ten, the program is going to be weak. You know, so to go off with saying that, I, I it's kind of like a three three part question, right? Sure. Coach Sanders. Uh, Coach Sanders brought up in his past uh, interview this past Monday on the SWAC uh, Media Day conference about why uh, he thinks that HBCUs should participate in the FBS bowl games. And he also, we've also known uh, Coach Sanders to have an issue with money games. Mm -hmm. Kind of want to tie those into, isn't that kind of like a, a double standard? Yeah, would you say? Contradiction. 
Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes we have to be careful when we hear what Coach Prime. You got to really talk, look at the whole thing that he talks about. Right. And if you pick out words, you can maybe dice it up in such a way where you be like, "Hey, they don't quite add up." And <laughs> another show where we kind of broke that down about understanding his big picture and then mm-hmm. picking apart the small parts um, that that are challenged that would have to be changed. And part of Coach Prime thing is is that he pushes for change. Now he knows right. it's not going to come easy, and he knows oftentimes that it's not what's on the table right now. But you're right. But I think what he was pushing for more than playing really FBS is getting the opportunity to play in those games. Yeah. Mm. And he was talking about playing those games because the financial benefit associated with playing the game. Right. So sometimes we miss, you know, the message because we're thinking about, hey, you playing FBS, that's going to be tough. And you're absolutely right at what you're saying. You know, because they have 85, the likelihood to have a competitive game doesn't make sense there. But mm. what he's pushing for is the inclusion part. Right. Why are we getting left out of this financial bonanza? the television associated with it, right? Yeah. To me, that's more what he's really trying to get to for everybody to consider is like, how do we push and get these folks to understand is that that we have a rich culture, we have a great fan base. And so even if that is about, again, lifting us up in the SWAC and other HBCUs to go to FBS, so we yeah. can have the 81st, 85 scholarships to participate in too. So you got to remember that that's part of his framework too. He didn't necessarily in that, that particular interview, but he said that before. You know the right. SWAC has, has a plan to look at that. So all of this is mixed in there in this gumbo, mm-hmm. if you would, of all the soup of what he puts on the table. And then you got to remember, he said this also in terms of his first goal was the celebration mode. So mm-hmm. he sees the importance of all that right. and he wants to elevate that and celebrate that. So he's not saying one for the other. He's talking about both. Now, there's well, an NCAA governance that says that you can't do both in regards to uh, postseason participation. Yeah. But again, right. he also talked about not just Jackson State, remember? He talked about SWAC. He mentioned FAMU by name. So mm-hmm. he's also talking about elevating that that these bowls need to consider other programs. So maybe we need to have multiple bowl opportunities because the imagine. ACC – the SEC have 10 bowl buy-ins. Yeah. And so that gives you more money because you have the big bowls that have the super and even the smaller ones that may not, but you aggregate all that money together. Now all that money goes to the conference and then the payout mm-hmm. goes back to the institutions. So they keep right. channeling all that revenue and money. So, Dr. Kavir, you, you said two things that, that I want to segue with, but they go in the opposite directions. Sure. Um, the... When we talked about uh, and to Daniel, you know Daniel's original question about Coach Brown was mentioning about you know the bowl games uh, with uh, FBS bowl games. Um, we talked with Mo Carter um, probably a few weeks ago, um, Mo's and we too. yeah yeah yeah. I, so oh, this go this. I'm gonna digress a little bit. I've been so. I, when I used to live in Prattville, and Mo was doing um, the news down in Montgomery, and then when I moved to Huntsville, he was up here. So I've kind of, you know, said follow him. So that's kind of how that's I cool. met Mo. Yeah. So Mo was actually one of our first. You know, he went our first guest, but he was one of our Probably first second, guests second, the, third, second, yeah. second or third mm-hmm. guest. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but but he brought up the '94 Liberty Bowl, 
where they were fighting to get uh Air McNair and and Alcorn in that game. Um, but you know, NCAA rules, uh, they fought against it and 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 pretty much voted that one out. Um right. And one of the things that is a challenge about that is there's not necessarily NCAA rules on the Bucks. It may have been at that time, but the big issue you have is it's the contracts associated with the bowl. Tie-ins, so, right? Yeah, that they got all these conference tie-ins. So the conference mm-hmm. tie-ins in the contracts often says in there that you have to go to this conference to get the team. Right. That's one issue. And then also in those contracts, oftentimes they said, well, this team must play uh, FBS program. So mm-hmm. it's not so much the NCAA rule, but the contracts that are governing mm-hmm. the bowls that make it challenging too. So those details get in there a lot real challenging. And he's absolutely right. That was a case where, uh, if you recall, that Steve McNair was a finalist for the highest. Yeah, so everybody wanted to see see uh, how, you know because he was he was this phenomenon. And everybody was attracted to this phenomenon. I remember him coming to Prairie, one of the first games where I literally went to the game to see, because this is right before we started our losing streak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. right? So it wasn't a lot to celebrate at Prairie View games in terms of athletes, talent on the field. And I want to give them all the kudos because we don't get where we are now if they didn't continue to push through and, and oh. make the case for us to continue to hold on to our program. So there's something to be said for that, that they pushed through it. But I remember him getting out there and literally throwing the guy to the side and seeing the roll 10, 15. You know, over the years, everything gets stretched out. He mm-hmm. rolls, he pushes the guy one hand, probably with his pinky, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, five, 10 yards this way. He backs up, yeah. throws another guy off of his shoulder. You know what? And he just throw, rips the ball, throws it. 60 yards, 70 yards down the field, goes to like his brother, one of the wide receivers, and the dude takes the ball, walks in the end zone, and like throws the ball off a prayer view helmet. So disrespectful. It's phenomenal. So they wanted to do the ball game. FCS also, oddly enough, wanted him also now. Don't get that twisted. FCS playoffs were pushing for him then because you got to remember. There was no automatic bid for the SWAC. People forget that. SWAC has never had an automatic bid to the playoffs for various reasons, right, uh, to the playoffs. But they had a lot of at-large teams. When Valley got in there, Alcorn, Jackson State obviously made it a couple of times in terms of mm-hmm. at-large bids into the FCS playoffs. Obviously, none of them had had success. Most of the time, they were playing on the road, and they would play the best teams, often the teams that they would lose to by a touchdown or less would go mm-hmm. on and win the doggone FCS tournament to let you know yeah. that they were talented. Uh, they just had tough, bad matchups and things of that nature. But, yeah, so at the end of the day, um, they couldn't get it done, and he went to the playoffs, and everybody came and saw him play Stephen F. Austin and some of those teams like that uh, where they put the game on television too. So it was crazy because at the time they were putting 50, what you see Dion doing now, they were putting 50, 60 uh, in. Uh, the Memorial Stadium over there in Jackson to come watch him play. Yeah. Right. Um, you also mentioned, I, I mentioned, I said the segue, um, kind of mentioned, I guess, a move to FBS. Now, 
I heard you speaking in the uh, BJ Jones space, um, uh, the space they they have uh, on um, Twitter, um, and, and also everybody listening. If you ever have a chance, uh, Tuesday night, uh, I think I forget what he calls it. Uh, I think it's like top five H, uh, HBC, uh, HBCU top five, top, top five, five Tuesday. Tuesday. Yep, yes, um, excellent, excellent, excellent commentary in there. Um, very knowledgeable. Um, it's funny because. I, we'll go in LSU space and we'll sit in there and we'll talk and go back and forth and stuff. When I go in the top five Tuesday, I, I it's like I learned so much and just I can just sit back and I don't say a word, and just learn so much. Um, but you were in there talking that night um, about you know saying what it would take for a move to FBS and uh, Aunt you know Aunt Marshall brought up this point. Um, in his church suit again, he says, "How many SWAT <laughs> programs can can afford to move to FBS? Considering they'd have to fund up to forty four more scholarships." Most of the programs are actually at 60, 63 scholarships, right. and so I well, guess well, he's talking twenty two. He's probably yeah. talking about Title Nine and double Title Nine, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things you do have that part of it, but one of the things people miss is the two hundred level minimum scholarships you have with granted aid. Which a lot of schools are closer to that 200 grand in aid they are now than you think. Uh, the biggest issue um, for going to FBS is about the television money. Mm. The, the real platform that is going to allow the SWAC make that move if it decides to get the NCA that allows some governing rule changes on taking a conference to FBS versus individual teams. It's going to be because of that television contract, right? Um, it's upwards of $100 million over 10 years. People, I believe it's really above that, right? And most of those contracts are a staircase. But even if we just do the easy math and say it's over $10 million a year, that's essentially a million a school. Um, that's significant because you're talking about money that can go directly to the program to help funnel those scholarships that you asked about help do some upgrades facilities and that's a that's a second tier tier two right right the espn contract comes up in a couple of years you mm -hmm. can imagine that they're probably gonna at best have espn match that right so now mm -hmm. you're talking about let's say they're able to do at least matches so you know the you know million dollars per school so you're talking two million dollars that is significant different and that doesn't include all the other sponsorships the money is coming back so right. now the conference is distributing more money from um, the sponsorships they had than they had ever before, right? So you're talking about significant money that's going back to the school because of the television revenue. And that's simply how the Power Five. Now, the money is not the same. I don't want to sound ridiculous here, obviously. But the reason that these programs such as Georgia Southern, when they made their move, just recently Sam Houston State, um, those schools enrollments are not that much larger than, you know, the larger SWAT schools, right? Uh, Troy, uh, in terms of their enrollment, but a lot of that is because of the television money associated with the Sun Belt. And with the New Deal, SWAC is actually paying out at the FCS level the same or more than the bottom three FBS programs conferences mm -hmm. are paying out. To give mm -hmm. you some understanding that the money is is there so you're talking about those schools being out operated fcs FBS. and that's what i use i just use comparable numbers right, it's right. not for me to talk what was me and looking at a program 
I'm just going to say, hey, these are the numbers. These programs do it. If they get these kind of money from television, these programs can do it. So right. I think if they if the they come together and they look at the plan and they follow the plan that I understand, because I wrote an FBS plan study. Uh, not that they're using this one, but I know I wrote one for Charles when Charles was the VP of athletics, and that's Dr. Charles McCullough, for those who don't realize. When he was at Texas Southern University, it's a 100-page plan. So I know what the plan looked like at that time. I wrote the pro plan as a consultant for Dr. John Rudley that was the president at that time. And the only reason it didn't get the traction at that time, if people recall, that was the same time that Texas Southern, unfortunately, had that double probation that they had for the APR and that took the focus on making sure that got straight and time went away. It it was when I did the numbers, it shook me. And this is how I went into the study, because I think this is contextually important for everybody that happens to be listening. I went in the study and I actually thought that we should move to D two. Okay. I hadn't told a lot of folks this story. I went in that study, I actually thought HBCU to go to D two. I was that frustrated in terms of the financial framework, what I thought. Uh, com competitiveness of the program. I went into the study and and I started hearing and researching and found out that they were going to go to the CFP. And I saw the money associated that was going to come windfall to FDS programs in the CFP. It was so big that I went and told Charles and President Ruddy, I said, we got to make this move. I begged them. I said, we got to make this move now. Because we got to be in there when they make the move to CFP so you can get the money that was going to come. I thought the money was going to double. I was right in my assertion that the money was going to be big. It was bigger than what I thought. It tripled. Wow. And so that was one of the first times where I understood that you got to be studying your craft and understanding the landscape and how it changes because it can change relatively fast. And that we missed that boat. And you got these programs like Jack State. Tennessee State, a and talking about they want to go FBS. Um, but I'm like, you missed the window already. Conference USA was begging teams to come. Hmm. But you got to be prepared for these opportunities to exist there. So people think that Jackson State and all this are ready to go. Um, the money that's going to hit the slack from the television hadn't hit yet. Yeah. Won't hit yeah. it until the end of the year. So that money that you think is flush with Jackson State is not as flush as it would be. I mean, Dion had to use his own money to to, to finish the facility. So it's yeah. not that Jackson State has the money. And this is not to disparage Jackson State. They're doing great things, and they can do more. But sometimes we get so lost in this Eurocentric thought that you individualism versus the Afrocentric thought where you go as a group that we forget the culture is part of the reason that you're having the success. Right. Right? right, and so I'm I'm disappointed when we have folks that don't quite really do their homework and understand that the benefit that you're getting is not going to be about you going and leaving yourself. It's about everybody in the collective, right, doing right. it. So I think that's a significant part of this. Um, and again, this is not to disparage Jackson State or any of our programs. I just tell you what I know and what I see, and I get these. I talk to these athletic directors. I talk to these VP of athletic directors. I study this. I teach this. This is serious for me. This is my craft. This is my business consulting. This is what I teach students. So I take this extremely serious 
about understanding the craft of the landscape of athletics and what will work and what will go on. So this is not something that I just roll over uh, out of the bed and be like, hey, let's talk some sports, and this is how I feel about it. Dr. Gabriel, let me also ask you, so in terms of not just Jackson State, how important is it that whenever, you know, HBCUs get the opportunity to play, you know, teams in FBS divisions, how important is it that we actually are competitive? You know, whenever oh, it comes it's, to... This is extremely competitive. Right. Not, not to cut in on your question, but yeah, you yeah. hit on something. Um, it is extremely important because there's what we call out there in the marketing uh, framework. And like I said, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for a conference. North American yeah. Society of Sports Sociologists. So we and there's one North American sports manager where we get these thinking heads and sometimes we think too much. We only put our work in journals. But I like to do practice. Uh, you know, I do my academic stuff and I put it in journals. But if we're not using it in practice, to me, it doesn't mean as well. So I love coming mm-hmm. on these shows because we get to talk about stuff that I've researched and talk to other professors and I get to bring in here and hopefully put it in some layman terms to talk about it. But there's a such thing to get back to the point that you asked, there's this brand awareness, right? That you talk about. And so when people already have an idea of what they think about the swag, right? Um, and so if you have that idea, that's one thing, but it's not manifest, it's not real, right? Now, if you go play the game, you get beat to sleep <laughs> now their thought process becomes real because they've seen it it actualized right yeah so now they can actually label you and say i told you those schools weren't good mm. so it for me it it deteriorates your marketing power and then you wonder why over the years your marketability at home games for some teams have declined one component obviously is your win loss there's yeah. also a part of it is about your brand awareness to folks and brand association, brand identity that is out there, right? right? One of the things that Jack and State that when they were actually was thinking about doing this, I told them I automatically was like, man, you you got to make this deal. I was actually, man, you got to give him the opportunity. His brand identity that he brings is like a business platform when they come together with a merger. You talking about SWAC when it did expansion? Now you got Dion, you got Jackson, you, man, that collection of talent in terms of just the business platform is extremely high. And so now the brand is awareness of Jackson State, the SWAC, fam, you and all the other subsidiary schools, it elevates. Right. Right. And so right. that's the importance of understanding when you play those games. You got to really think twice is the value of playing those games and the money you're getting. Is it worth the value to me? valuation that you're losing from what people see about your brand. That's a little different when you play the G5, those FBS because the talent gap is not there. So if you're strategic about aligning yourself and playing those teams, you can at least be in those games. So the mm-hmm. deprivation of those differences is not as big there. The gap is not big. So you might be able to argue for that a little bit, but yeah. no, I'm not for playing those Power 5 games. I didn't make well, no sense. Well, let me ask you, if if the some of the SWAC teams were to play more G5 opponents, how big of a difference whenever it comes to compensation is it? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, usually when you play those those five, you can get anywhere from about 300K. Some, depending on the distance, they might even try to sneak and pay you 250. 
but usually it's like 300k to about 450. Mm. When you talk about playing those power fives, you go from about 375, 400, all the way up to six. Uh, sometimes they might pay you seven, but they ask you to bring the band. You got to think mm. about your cost of travel. You know, and oftentimes they put all that in the package. So it depends on really what the contract language is. Right. Yeah. How much of that money is going to the band? How much is they going to eat up in hotel expenses, food and lodging? Yeah. What extra folk dignitaries want to come on the game? The, the great case study Southern at Southern going to LSU for 750K, Alabama State going to UCLA for 896. And it's like you went across country for not much more. I mean, granted, I'm not trying to say a hundred and some thousand ain't a lot of money, but considering all that it entails, the logistics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I, I'll tell you also, I went to that Southern and uh, LSU game and they, they that was probably the biggest crowd they've had on campus in a very long time. When you're talking about over 200,000 people being on campus where they have to shut the campus off, that's crazy, you know, and you have yeah, 100,000 I mean, people they, they in a stadium. They in love with the culture. So right. It, it, you're right. It's going to be big, but I'm just concerned in terms of what it does to your brand. And right. some of those, part of the part Definitely. of LSU and Southern is also important that part of that was just politics from the standpoint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, LSU had played all, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember reading the reports correct. LSU had paid all the other FCS programs in the state, except for the two HBC programs. That is correct. So it just was looking bad from a politics that you didn't play all the European-American class, historically white colleges, I like to say, right? And not the historically black college. That's not going to fly. Right. Even though I know a lot of Southern folks is like, we fine. We don't want to play the game. You know, like, no, you don't play the game. We gonna pay you a lot of money because we starting to look bad because these folks asking questions. Why we ain't playing y'all? No, no. Yeah. They gonna play Grammar yeah. in a couple of years. It just gets too. They play Grammar because people right. don't want to admit that we have yeah. history in this country that all of mm -hmm. it ain't look good. And some people are uncomfortable talking about it. We need to be comfortable talking about it if we're gonna yeah. ever really get past it. Uh, in That's terms true. of that, I don't think we will, but at least move in steps to move forward is important uh, to some framework uh, at at least a bare minimum. And we just see this with the last couple of years with the election, all the ugliness there. And I don't want to get into a great deal of politics because we're taking sports, but it is a focus point. And we do need to understand that there is some intersections uh, of these things taking place. And if we're going to be honest and have great dialogue and conversations, we need to know that. So, for example, I have a problem with these uh, historically white collar power fives, North Carolina, LSU. Uh, what's the other ones? Where they come in and they bring the band, and you got these bands got to dance together and whatever, play together, mm -hmm. all that. About it. Uh, it's like, no, we're not here to just be your showcase. Um, but you know so what? There's some concerns I have with the culture, and I know some of that is just me taking things probably too far, but hey, I'm going to put it out there. We got to yeah, think wait. about all this stuff in terms of what it does to the brain. Right. And I'll tell you, going to that game, I mean, it was probably 21 to zero within the first minute, first yeah. two <laughs> minutes of that Southern and LSU game. It just was. But yep. that stadium did not empty out until halftime because most of the people that were there, they were there to see the band. That's correct. You know, so I, I mean, I completely understand. But looking at, you know, Coach Dooley's football team and hopefully they bounce back. But a lot of people were there to see Southern's band. 
that's the that's brand, it. not the football that's program for right now. To some of these people, it's the band. So, and that's exactly when I talk about your brand association. Yeah. I, so what I, are you doing to right. your football brand when you do that? Right. To Thinking about it now. Thinking about it now. I could name probably ten different college football movies about you know some PWI schools or whatever. I can't think of any about HBCU, but I can't think of one about a, uh, about the bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I can't think of that. That's that's some. I yeah. yeah so I mean, to your point, you're making uh, exactly hitting on the point that I'm, I'm making there. That you know the connotation and denotation, right? Connotation right. uh, is what you think. The denotation mm-hmm. is dictionary meaning, and that's what you get into that. You know, if people can say that you know Prairie View bad football team all they want because they hadn't played this team. Well, when they went to play Texas A&M, it was pretty evident that it's not at the same level of those teams. We probably thought that knew that, but now that you verified it, and that takes it to a whole different level when you start to marking your stuff. So, so let me ask this, because I, I think this was another point you brought up um, in that space. Would it be more beneficial if instead of individual schools moving up, is it actually more beneficial if it moves up as a, a conference? And then instead of having quote unquote money games against bigger schools, you can play, like you said, the group of five schools that may be talent wise a little bit closer until you build your programs. No doubt. I think the only way to really do it, to have the success you need is to do it as a group. Significant. Mm-hmm. The study I did said that you needed to have at least nine, and probably a maximum of 12, so you split up and have a championship. Okay. But you had to have at least nine. I think there are some arguments that I'll be open with that if you have HBC join what, what we would refer to in this conversation as historically white conferences, right? right? That you need a minimum of four so you can have the existing rivalry still take place and germinate while you play the other one. So if you're going to do it from that perspective, I think you need a minimum of four. But I think to, to get the most benefit and keep the culture, uh, you need it to go as a conference to go up. And, and this is, let's play this out. This is what it does. If you do as a conference now, you're still playing those two, three other games. But now instead of doing it, what you see, let's just take A&T, right? Mm-hmm. Or Tennessee State that hasn't had success for 30 years. Two championships, one of them uh, had to be returned for NCAA violations. They hadn't had much success at all. Their schedule consists of three or four HBCUs at the beginning of the year, which the fan base gets louder for, and then it tapers down, and they tend to go into OBC. Historically, they've lost in the OBC. So you forget about their program. Nobody talks about their program after the five, six games of the season, halfway through the season. You can't get any momentum, really, for recruiting because you're losing. You know the brand awareness of your program, of a rich program, Tennessee State, Blue Blood, HBC program, is is withering. I mean, where do you hear people talk about their program? Yeah. And so I can give you case studies to show. And that's one of the things I'm really concerned about Hampton and A&T. A&T is probably the best fortunate one at this point, at least as they're making a move, they're just coming out probably the zenith of their, their second life of their program. So there's some argument that they may be able to sustain as they put money into the program to try 
uh, to be in the colonial, which they're going, they saying for academic reasons, which is a whole different discussion, which I'm like, mm. I don't understand that <laughs> from what I study that doesn't make sense, really. <laughs> but in terms of the Big South, you can see, obviously, in their second stint, um, some of the teams that left now, let's put that out of Kennesaw State, but they did well, won it last, whatever, have left. But they are on the verge of winning the Big South. So they can show you that they can have, and you can continue that momentum. If you win, you can, people don't follow you probably, you can continue that. But as soon as you lose, now you don't have the cultural components to keep the fans there. Right. So you see what happens to OBC, that fan base dribbles quickly, other than when you play those HBC programs. So that would mirror at the FBS program if you only had four or five programs. The fans that are used to seeing their rivals and what they like about the culture that dissipates. And so the only way you're going to keep those fans and add maybe additional fans if you win. Well, win is cyclical. You're not going to always win. I don't care what program. Hell, Alabama doesn't always win. And this year they've taken a dip just this year in terms of going on. And they have won like more than anybody with Nick Saban in terms of the last, what, 15 years in terms of. And they, they're the oddity. They're, they're outside of them. You might talk about Ohio State being consistent to some degree, OU in terms of what they're able to do. But those are the outliers. Right? Those are the outliers. And those programs have more money than God would allow. It seems like anybody that. Right? Right. How do you think that you're going to replicate that from where you are? So... The benefits of going to FBS in terms of the money that's associated with it, the multiplicative of bowl games that you get, the um, framework of additional sponsors, the television money, uh, being able to com- com- command more when you do play other FBS programs. There's a lot of arguments to say the revenue uh, increase is extremely high, even though you're going to have to pay more money. But you still, if you go as a group now, you get to keep all your culture that is associated, all your fan base, all your rivalry. You get to keep yeah. that versus if you try to do it alone or with two or three schools. Let me ask you a question. Excuse my ignorance if, if it comes off as that. But um, no would it be possibly easier? Because we know you, you said it before. Dion, he he thinks not so much individual, but the overall aspect of the entire uh, swag. Mm-hmm. Would it be easier, let's say, for Jackson State, for FAMU, and for other schools, like you said, to move up? whenever it pertains to them not having enough money for scholarships as a collective, if they all put together, I know it's kind of weird, but if they all kind of went in it together, Hey, we're all going to make this move together. Would it be easier that way for them to move up into the FBS? Yeah, I think so. Because one thing, if you do it all the seven, you could have rules within your conferences. Like, yes, you have the ability to offer 85 scholarships, but let's say the first year is the conference transitions, right? The first year, everybody's just going to give 70 or 75 scholarships. So now the competitiveness of all the teams are basically all the same. Now your competition outside is a little different because they're giving more. Well, over the next year or two, now everybody gives 75. Two more years, everybody gives 80. The last year, now you get to your 85. So you can have a three- or four-year plan where everybody steps up essentially at the same rate about increasing your scholarships as you go over a period of time. So that works as well. Um, and so that's why it's also important as a conference because you can make conference rules that allows everybody to be on the same page at the same time as you transition to the NCA of uh, the overall governance rule. 
Right. And I honestly, in that situation, it almost feels like a brother helping a brother. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, we all, I mean, when you talk about, you know, TV money coming in, hey, we're all going to benefit from this move. So why not make this move together? Correct. And that, you know? that's, that's why I agree with you that I, I think the only real logical way to do it is to do it this way. I think if you try to do it the other way, it's going to be a significant challenge. Not to say right. you can't do it, but I think it, it's more likely it's gonna take longer. not to be successful than it is if you do it as a group. Right. Okay. I, yeah. no, go ahead. I go think. Ahead, I mean. I, I honestly. I just. I just think what you just said is. It's. It's perfect, because you still keep that culture. You know. You don't lose that because I. I know we talked about earlier in, in some of our early episodes about losing that HBCU dynamic of just a culture. You know. You're kind of. Right. Kind of probably whitewash it. You know. You lose some of those robbery games yep. and things like that. So. I wish that was on the table. I don't know if it is possibly, but it would be awesome if it is. Well, I know from the conference office, um, they put it out pretty early. There is a plan, and they're looking at it as a, as a conference to do it. Other people outside of that, I think, have their own agendas and own plans and want to see things, and some of them want to do it a little faster than what the conference wants to do. But what I can say is the strategic plan that the conference has that all the presidents and chancellors have agreed to they're on the same page in terms of what they want to get done with a conference. All right. So, so Dr. Kavir, let me ask this. Um, we know that uh, being a part of the SWAT teleconferences, um, Coach Sanders uh, often comes on and, and presents ideas and stuff, um, kind of out more, you know, saying to the media and stuff. Would it be more beneficial if he was more presenting it to his AD and letting the AD kind of push to the ADs, then the ADs kind of take it to the to the SWAC as a conference and and do it that way, or is it is this kind of a, I guess you could say a madness to the to the uh, a method a to the method, madness? It's a method to the madness. He's extremely strategic. He does both. Yep. He does both. He talks to the <laughs> AD. They chop it all the time. He talks to the commissioner. The commissioner <laughs> has talked to him. They're, they're, he does they're, on, the, those they're ideas. on the same page more than anybody yeah. would ever believe. I'll bring right. this to y'all right here for those that hadn't heard or don't know. Don't get it twisted. Them folks right. are not operating in silos. They're checking with each other. They're talking with each other. They got plans. They have mutual respect for each other. That's High awesome. level of respect for each other. AD to AD. Uh, coach to AD and coach to commission. Okay. All right. This is a question. Sorry, Daniel. A question no, from, you're good. You're good. from uh, again, our man Ant with his uh, Easter suit on. Says, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the transfer portal being so rampant, do you think that the NCAA should make some changes to the APR format? Hard to hold a coach accountable to players uh, not graduating if a lot of them are transferring. Uh, yes, I certainly would like to see them make some changes to the APR. I don't think they're going to make some changes to the APR. Now, they put a freeze on the APR during COVID, people may not realize, um, uh, COVID-19. So people have some questions whether how much of the APR they're going to be back. They, they kind of froze it. And if they bring it back, maybe they will make some changes to it, to your point. Mm -hmm. So that's a question out there to consider in regards to that. I think the major thing that's on the table right now that, that is going to change the game and everybody's kind of waiting to see what happens is the transformation committee, the work that the NCAA transformation committee is doing 
as it redefines the space of FBS and the Power Five. That's the big elephant in the room that we have to wait to see what's going to go on there when it happens. Um, and so those are some of the things that you hear when the rules come out that they're looking for that transformation committee, which did a lot of the work um, this past summer in terms of looking at APR, looking at um, the, um, the rules governing uh, kids that are able to get their NIL deals and things of that nature. And all that is going to change. They're even looking at what are the rules to move up from FBS or to move up to Division One, which is the basketball side of it. That's why you don't necessarily see as many Division Two teams that have moved up to Division One. FCS um, from that level certainly what's uh, put a pause to some degree for the MEAC and some of these other conferences because a lot of they put out a message strictly to the Division Two schools saying, "Hey, yeah, y'all can make the move now, but every whatever move." rules policies we make in regards to the transformation committee y'all still going to be responsible for it so that paused a lot of division two schools are waiting to see what comes out of that committee to see whether they're going to make the move uh, as you see a lot of these fcs conferences had their own training with schools moving around so you have some of these fcs conferences that only have what six seven schools in the conference not just the MEAC, big south OVC, obviously the Atlantic Sun, Sun uh, Southland, right? The WAC. And so WAC. one of the troubles they got into is that uh, while they were turning and having schools move in different directions, a lot of them wanted to backfill with Division II programs. They couldn't really backfill because of the transformation. Mm. And you know what, uh, Dr. Cavill, excuse but the transformation committee sounds like the Illuminati of sports. Uh, yes. Because yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. That's tonight. a good way. To, that's a good way. <laughs> uh, Dr. Bill, I can we could have you on for another two hours and we and, yeah. and, and, and wouldn't tire. Knowledge. Um, right. But 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 uh I'll put it like this. If you would, we would love to have you back on again. Sure. Um, but before we do, I want to close out with uh we, we do this every week, just going over uh some of the games coming up and just give a prediction, not not necessarily okay. a score, um, but who we think. So we got fam you at Bama State. Ooh, I like this one. Man, I won't see this. Man, if I had my brothers and I had my responsibilities and I had all the money I like, I'd fly my jet today. Yeah, listen. Uh, I, I like it. If want to. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Pick me up. Listen, the 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 homer in me want to pick Bama State. I like yeah. what Coach Robinson doing. See where you going? I love what he doing. I think next year they gonna make some real noise. But I think Fam, you on a mission, and they they smelling playoffs, and I think they they got to get this this dub to get there. So I'm going yeah, Fam on this I, one. I think the defense for Fam, you is good enough to slow down Alabama mm -hmm. State's offense and that mobile quarterback they have. No. Um, uh, it's going to be a dog fight because I love the yeah. defensive backs that Alabama State has with the heights. They've been one of the few um, defensive backs that have been able to slow down Jackson State in terms of the receivers mm -hmm. because they can put the hands on them, as we like to say in the sport of football, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> um, and so, but I'm with you. I'm going to give the edge to FAMU Rattlers. Uh, I think they have a little more talent. Their offensive explosion, what they're able to do with Moose at the quarterback position. Um, that boy, that boy uh, it's going to be the difference in that game. That boy, uh, bad. Play it out. But it's going to be a tough one. I think yes, it is. the hornet's nest, the hive, as they like to call it down there, is going to be buzzing. 
And if FAMU is slipping and not quite on their game, um, while I'm picking FAMU, I certainly could see Alabama State getting it. Exactly. Honestly, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm going FAMU. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, I'm like, I'm going you know, FAMU. I think uh, uh, Coach Robinson is a year ahead of schedule. Yep. Yes. And he's, he's got his team rolling right now. So, and they're hot. Yep. All right. So, yeah. next one on the docket, we got uh, Mississippi Valley at Southern. I'll let you go first. This one, uh, Dr. Cavill. Um, yeah, Southern's really, but this is a game that get right. It's going to be tough for a half. Um, people don't realize Valley got the quarterback back. He was hurt mm -hmm. the first three games. And you saw what he was able to do at Alabama AM. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Alabama AM uh, had the tough loss, short week. Uh, the Magic City Classic is not the Alabama AM that we seen uh, last year in terms of, of losing their quarterback there. But it's still a pretty solid team. But I think more that had the credit to do with Valley. That's tough on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, just too much dually, too much offense as the uh, Southern Jaguars get right this week um, and get it done against Valley. Look, uh, I'm going to tell you, Dr. Cavill, Southern has lost two games. Two back-to-back -back games, man. That That's my team. I love them. I love them. And, of course, just like you said, Coach Dooley is an offensive-minded coach. But I'll be honest with you. seems like the wheels have fallen off. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just seems like it. You know, it, it seems like they're going to they're gonna roll in the Bayou Classic on their stomach. So, I'll be honest with you. I got you. Ba ba Valley might do something this weekend. You know, Valley was is always gonna get somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they home. they got a surprise <laughs> win last week, but and, and say if, if Southern lose this game, they would not show up to the classic. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think it's a bounce back game, game, but yeah. more interesting just because it's a rivalry. Um, mm, yeah. Grambling, frankly, is playing much better than they did the first five games. So yes, they are. That one would scare me more if I was Southern than Valley. Right, yeah. right, right. If, if this game was at Mississippi Valley, I would give them the edge, but I'm going with Southern. I'm going with Southern. Yeah. All right. Bethune at Alcorn. Ooh, that's an interesting one to me. Because um, you got to remember, now people have a little more tape on that quarterback, you know, mm -hmm. sophomore. Um, unfortunately, the, their starting quarterback um, had hurt his wrist. And I think his career is over because he's a graduate transfer in all the games he played. I'm not sure he'd better get a medical red shirt. Um, hopefully they do try to get it in there for Allen, the kid. You know, Bethune Cookman can put up some points, but they just can't stop folks. So my question is, is can Alcorn control the game and run the ball? Bethune Cookman will give some rushing yards. If they're able to play like they did against Prairie View where they can control the clock, uh, they're in good shape. But the problem is, is – they can't tend to do that for a whole game because you saw Prairie come back in the second half mm -hmm. and went down the field two drives in a row, put up 14 points. And um, Alcorn did just enough to stop them on that third time when they went all the way down the field basically again. That time they forced a big field goal. If they would have scored their touchdown, they would have made it out of that game with a victory. They would have let them score three straight touchdowns. And I don't think they had an offense to come over. So I'm going to go with an upset. I'm going to go with an upset. Okay. Bethune Cook and Wildcats are going to come in there and get it done and, and go out on a stronghold before they play in the Florida class against the Rattlers. Mm, all right. Man. <laughs> God, dog. I'm, I'm going out corn. I'm going out corn. I'm, I'm sorry, Doc. I'm, I'm, I'm going out corn. I can see that. They listen. Listen. At home, you know, it's a good football team still. 
<laughs> I I was caping hard for Kamara Avery. I've been telling everybody. I was like, I told Miami fans, I was like, that boy gonna run all over y'all. He gonna tear y'all up. So they gonna lose, but he gonna tear y'all up. And and this year just hadn't been the year for him. I'm gonna have to go all corn. So uh, Prairie View and Arkansas Pine Bluff. I don't even know if we even need to. We don't even need to divulge. But uh, where have you? Uh, think, well, yeah, we, we uh, keep this one simple. Yeah, I think uh, is going to bounce back. I think they're going to be able to run the ball, do enough on defense to stop uh, Pine Bluff and get it done. All right. Um, uh, two weeks ago, this would have been the game. Um, Alabama and M at well, Alabama and M Jackson State in the Gulf Coast Challenge down in Mobile. Yeah, Jack State gonna yeah. run away with it. Um, yeah, AM just doesn't have enough offensively. I was thinking maybe they could come in this game at least have us excited on yes. paper because they would come in with one yeah. loss. We could hype it all up, even though I think Jack. State I, I love Coach. I love but, Coach Maynard. He yeah, shouldn't have left. Like he shouldn't have left that scooter. He shouldn't have left that scooter on the field. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't been the same since. <laughs> he ain't been the same since. Uh, That's pretty good. Yeah, you're right. It ain't been the same since this. All uh, right, Grambling at Texas Southern. It's a good one. This is a good one. This is the game of the week for me. Yeah, both teams are playing really well. Yeah. Um, Maurice Washington. Ooh boy, he can run that rock. I'm yeah. gonna go with Texas Southern because they're at home, but I would not be surprised if Grambling continues to roll. Uh, yeah. They won what they last two games. Mm -hmm. uh, Defense has showed up big time. Texas Southern's won three of the last four, so two teams that are relatively hot. This is gonna be fascinating to see who gets it done. Yeah, I'm gonna give well, the edge to Texas Southern because they're at home. All right. What you got? Honestly, I, I I got Grambling. Grambling's hot right now. I know you said Texas Southern is too, but I kind of think Coach Hugh has kind of got his team kind of figured out. And uh, they're playing great ball on the defensive side. And honestly, I just want to see a good classic. So I'm just hoping Grambling just keeps it up, you know, and they 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 beat uh, Texas Southern this week. So I, I got right. Grambling winning. This I'm, I'm going to talk a little, I'm gonna talk a little trash. Southern. I got to go with Texas I'm going to talk a little trash. With, I'm going to talk you. a little trash with this one. You ready, Daniel? Yeah. You ready? Two words, Andrew Body. Yeah. He gonna take he gonna take the G and he gonna give him an extra L. Boom! Uh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, switch to the Miat real quick. Uh, South Carolina State at Howard. This one now. Uh, now I'm two weeks ago, two two weeks ago, I was gonna say this is a blowout. Now I don't know. This is a toss up. Yeah, I would two week at least a week ago you would have been yeah. coming in saying that this game was a big game because. It could have been for a championship because Howard was two and zero till they lost by fifty with fifty points put up against Central last week. Obviously, right. you thought South Carolina State was rolling after they got that big win over North uh, Carolina at home yeah. against Central, and you're like, no way they're gonna get this up. And they lose two straight. <laughs> yeah. So now it comes mm -hmm. down to this team right here is like literally, um, which team is gonna get off the map? And I'm gonna say it's Howard. I know yeah. a lot of people say it's just Howard, Howard, but they at home. I, I I still struggle with South Carolina State. I still think they should have lost that game in Central. Um, Coach Pugh has a team that finds a way to try to get a victory here and there. Uh, um, but uh, I just don't think Corey Fields is healthy. Uh, the quarterback's playing well, but anytime you had a big monster, the wide receiver, oh, my goodness. 
anytime you think you put them dead, he dead, the bulldog, he makes a play, um, and he big time. So they always have a puncher's chance with him. But I'm gonna go with Howard with the upset. All right. Yeah, I agree. I like Howard in this one also. All right, I'm gonna go with Howard, and everybody gonna be upset. So, <laughs> all right, Morgan State, Delaware State. Mm, this is a good one too. Oh, yeah. these are slobber knockers. These teams play defense. They like to punch each other, run the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll have affinity to Morgan State because obviously, uh, coach there, what he did at Bowie State before that, he was at Texas Southern and Prairie View. Um, that Henry Frazier connection from uh, Baltimore, as they say around that part from that. So I, I like Delaware State. I knew they were going to get a big win this year. They buried the coach this week. Mm. So mentally, yeah. can they get back in this game? Um, right. When they first heard that he passed, they lost that game uh, against uh, that opener they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew they were going to fight back at some point, and they were losing close games. And they got it done uh, this past week in South Carolina State. I think that's going to be their high water mark, so I'm going to go with Morgan State. And uh, Coach Wilson, Damon Wilson, he's going to get the uh, his second MIAC win. Yeah. I'm going to go with a former LSU Tiger, Jordan Toes at Morgan State. Mm-hmm. And he, he been balling out on defense. Yeah, you're right. All right. Look, I'm going to pick Delaware State in this game. They All won right. a big game last week against South That's Carolina true. State. I think they keep it rolling. I think they continue playing for their coach, you know, so – We'll see. Right. We'll see. Emotions plays a lot of, you know, play a big thing in, in, in football. Oh, no doubt. So, yeah. Here go another one. We can just, we might fly by uh, North Carolina <laughs> Central and Norfolk State. North Carolina Central. Win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to win big. I think Central yeah. got that second life and they're not going to let it get away this time. Their coach is mm. focused. Um, they're going to go up there with a mission and they're going to try to jump on them. If they get rolling early, it, mm-hmm. it's going to get ugly. These two yeah. coaches know each other, and there's a lot of coaching connection, obviously, between the teams. Uh, Coach uh, Odom actually uh, had North Carolina Central coach on the staff as offensive coordinator at Southern uh, before he went home back home. Um, and so that makes it a little more interesting, but I think Central is going to get it done. Yeah. Uh, like, like my boy from Down South uh, Football Podcast, it says Central by 21 plus. I agree. Right. <laughs> it's gonna be a blowout, bro. All right. I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the sort SIAC championship for last because I, I got a little something for that. Um first there was uh arson at the uh Jackson State baseball fields. There is a suspect in custody. Um I'm I don't want to speak too much on it because he's you know we, we don't know, I don't know for sure, but um right. It, it looks like it was a student from a from a different school. So, um, basketball season is starting, and I'm gonna start with I don't like to end on bad news, so I'm gonna start with the the the, the bad news first. Uh, Jackson State actually uh, lost a team member today. Uh, Geronimo Warner um, passed away, um, so we will keep him in our hearts and prayers um, as the, the team moves forward. Um, and then, um, but I guess I, I asked the question. The question we had was the basketball season approaching. Um, favorites for the swag in the MEAC? 
I'll say this: Tamika Reed in, in Jackson State in the women's side. I don't care who you can. Anybody yeah, else? I don't care. That's the easy women's one. Side, yeah. I'm gonna go with Jackson State to somebody. Yeah. I will put a plug in there for Pine Bluff. I think okay. they're, they're gonna be at their heels. I think they're serious. They brought a lot of key players in. I think they don't really fear Jackson State like a lot of teams, and they have the talent to make them work. But I still have to go with Jackson State. But I say keep your eyes on Pine Bluff. On the men's side, I got to go with Texas Southern. They continue to find a way. He has talent. It's a hard place to win. Um, Obviously, I say keep your eyes on Prairie View. Um, the, The basketball resides over there in the state of Texas. Uh, but I like what they're doing at Southern as well, uh, and so uh, I think if you if basketball was divided in the west, west and the east, obviously in football it seems like everything's on the east. Basketball, everything's on the west. So oh, I like to go that yeah. Got to give some love to Alcorn. They're right in the mix. They had their regular yeah. season. They're gonna be in the mix too. Yeah. I, I Texas Southern uh, coach Johnny Jones. He took he will take that team. He took them to the, uh, Gainesville last year. They was 20-something points, underdogs, and they won by 13. Yeah. Give me Texas. I think Texas Southern going to roll. <laughs> I, I, yes. I, yeah, I, think, right. I think now I do think that uh, Mo Williams at Jackson State will get them, you know what I'm saying, going eventually, but I think it's going to take some time. But, I yeah, agree with John, that. Texas Southern is one of the few programs under Davis, and now Johnny mm-hmm. Jones, as you talked about, that, is, that has two top 25 wins in the last uh, – Decade over uh, Power Five school. All right, uh, Daniel, who you got? Uh, um, uh, the same Texas Southern. I like Johnny Jones. Uh, I like the redemption story of Johnny Jones, and yeah. uh, Texas Southern has a great program. So hey, yeah. I like him. Aunt said Texas Southern and the swag in North Carolina Central. Central to me, at, to me I, yeah. I think North Carolina Central may be back. Yeah, so I, I can't. Oh, I think, think I can coach, go with that. Uh, keep Coach Mouton down too long, but you got to give some love to Norfolk State. Um, they have perennial has, and they got a lot of players coming back uh, in terms of Norfolk State with the lead guard, who's, who's, who's a baller, uh, that right. New York type baller. All right, like it. Last thing, we can get ready to close out. I had to bring it back. SIAC championship. We talked about it earlier. Uh, Benedict versus Tennessee. Uh, this game is at Benedict College. But who you got? Benedict is gonna is gonna roll undefeated. I mean, they at home. Uh, that defense. I think Tuskegee is a year hell of schedule, and you got to give mm-hmm. Ruffin credit in terms of what he was able to do to get to this game. They'll right. keep it close for maybe a half, but Benedict is gonna find a way to pull away late. Second, Daniel. Honestly, for me, we've been saying it all season. Just like, just like Dr. Right. Cabell just said, Benedict, they're gonna roll. Well, <laughs> they're gonna keep it going. Well, so, like yeah. I told y'all before, first time senior high school. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> My cousin brought me, you know, what I'm saying brought me to the uh to yeah. the shed, yeah. and all I heard. All in parlay. I like it. <laughs> Hey, I know Ant, not feeling well. I hope you feel better. All right now. <laughs> Dr. Javier, thank you for coming. Sure. It was a pleasure having you on. Pleasure having you on. Uh, look forward to having you back. Continue the conversation. Um, 
before you go, uh, tell us what we you know. So tell everyone where they can find you and everything like that. I give you the floor. Go ahead. Appreciate it. It's it's been my pleasure. I certainly will come back. Great conversation, dialogue. I will do one plug for the CIAA. I think Fayetteville State finally gets off the mat and get it done, as they've been bridesmaids. Um, they'll finally get wedded this week with the championship. So, I want to give a little plug for CIAA. With that being said, uh, you can check me out every Tuesday and Thursday with my crew. That's Dockerville's Inside HBC Sports Lab with Charles Bishop and Mike Washington uh, as we try to give you a business side uh, of the updates uh, Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. I'm on the road, but we'll have a show tomorrow. So we'll be live from the hotel here in Las Vegas. Hopefully I don't uh, lose all my money. Luckily, I really don't <laughs> bet, so that, that, that should be a safe bet not to do that. Uh, and then, as I said, on Sunday, uh, you can catch us at 9 o'clock uh, in the morning and we give you a recap of what happened in the weekend. We do that during the football season. But we'll cover your HBCU sports all year long, Tuesday and Thursday, basketball, men's and women's. And we get into a little baseball. Baseball is big in the SWAC, so we'll give you some of that with some track and field. A little bit of softball in there in the spring, and then we'll get into our lecture series where we bring in academics and interviews during the summer as we get outside of the sporting framework. So check us out. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R- K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And make sure you give these guys some love and continue following them. They're doing great work. Um, I appreciate what they did and appreciate giving me a chance to spend a little time and give them a voice and let them know about HBCU sports, as I like to call it, the sporting HBCU dad. All right. Thank you again. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank it is our, our pleasure. It is our pleasure. And uh, like that, everyone, we out. Who is swag? If ain't swag. Who is swag? If ain't swag. Who is swag? If I ain't swag. Swag. Who is swag? Baby. Who is swag? Who is? Who is swag? Oh. Who? 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 I wake up motivated. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.